Our first letter to the family from a part of our family this morning is from Sandra Cleveland, chair of our board of directors. We're gonna tell you a little bit more about what our directors, um, what they do in our church and how they function to help us accomplish our mission. You're gonna be blessed to hear from Sandra. Mountaintop family. I have the honor of writing to you today, not as a staff member with theological education and ministry duties, but as a longtime member of Mountaintop who has experienced God working in my life through my many years here. This is what I've experienced, and I also want to share with you what I hope for. My first memory of church is how my Sunday school teacher showed me her love and taught me that Jesus loved me and lived in my heart. This helped me to love other people. I believe a children's ministry can influence children for the rest of their lives. Our two daughters came to Mountaintop in the 1990s when they were in middle school because they wanted to be a part of the youth ministry with their friends. Maston and I decided we all needed to go to church together, so we followed our daughters with the intention of returning to our traditional denomination when the girls left for college. We found our spiritual community here, and well, we're still here after more than 25 years. I believe a vibrant student ministry brings not just students, but families to a church. We've been a part of several small groups at Mountaintop. Being a part of a small group was more than spiritual lessons. It helped us develop deep friendships that hold us up through life's challenges and helps us celebrate life's blessings. I believe small groups help people find friends and positive influences that enrich their lives. Participating on serve teams has benefited me more than I have benefited others. I have met people I would not have met otherwise and made new intergenerational friends who have expanded my view of the world. I believe serve teams provide benefit to the church community and expand the individuals who serve. When I was asked to join a leadership group, the board of directors, I was hesitant because I questioned if I had the spiritual depth and maturity. After prayer and soul searching, I took the first step and accepted. And you know, after taking that first step, I found people who helped me along the way to learn what I needed to know, to support my fledging efforts, and to point me in the right direction when I felt uncertain. I am still a work in progress. I believe you become qualified to serve by serving. 
Recently, I heard a comment from an outsider that Birmingham needs mountaintop. This has become my mantra. I wholeheartedly agree that Birmingham needs mountaintop and it gives our efforts an elevated importance. My hope is that mountaintop not just survives, but thrives. To thrive, to flourish, to prosper, to make progress toward a goal, despite of or because of circumstances. I want Mountaintop to thrive so it can offer others all the life-changing opportunities it has given me. So what does it look like to thrive? For Mountaintop to thrive, I believe it has to thrive in all the areas that have given meaning to my life. Children's ministry, student ministry, small groups, serve teams, and leadership opportunities. I believe it takes each of us participating for Mountaintop to thrive in these areas. Here are some suggestions for ways to participate. We work together to be good stewards of God's resources in our lives, and this includes our time, our talents, our energy, and our financial resources. We develop ourselves by learning more about how to live God's way. We take action by joining a serve team or a small group and offering ourselves for a leadership role. And most important, we encourage each other along the way. James 2.26 says, just as the body without the spirit is dead, even so faith without works is dead. Make your faith visible work with a purpose towards your goals, and find your place in this great mountaintop community. Have you already been there and done that? I believe this is a new day with new opportunities to serve, to benefit others, and benefit ourselves. Look for ways to get plugged in. I look forward to the future of mountaintop with you, my mountaintop family. May the grace of Jesus Christ be with you. Thank you so much, guys, for, for joining us up here. Sandra, wow, thank you for sharing your heart and the letter. And I want to dig in some, but before we do, let's talk a little bit of nuts and bolts. There are probably a lot of people that, um, well, some that are new to our church, but some that have probably been here a long time that go, what in the world does the board of directors do? And uh, so talk about that and your role on it. Okay. Well, and actually the role of the board of directors has changed in recent years. Uh, up until just we revised the bylaws uh, this year, uh, board of directors served to 12 to 15 years, and thank goodness that they did, and we thank all those people that served. Now we have a four-year term for each director, and uh, we add two new directors every year. So that's a great opportunity for you to serve. Uh, and if you may not feel prepared to serve at that level yet, Talk to somebody about how you can develop so that you can be a candidate for that because we want the board of directors to reflect the diversity of our community here at Mountaintop. Yeah, so, yeah, absolutely. And you, now I know you don't like pointing this out, but I wanna point this out. You are the first, you were the first ever board member that was a female and you're the first ever board of director chair that's a female, yeah. Thank you. And so one of the things that I, one of the reasons I really um, love being a part of our church is that we truly believe in, in, in the gifts that everyone has. And 
and your gifts, um, not just as a, as a woman, but as a leader, I appreciate that. But we want that to, to be a part of all our diversity. And so this year, as, as new members roll on, it's really important to me that, that minorities are a part of our board. And that's really gonna be a part a part of, of our work. Uh, ben, you, I wanna share a little bit about just kind of your role, the, the, the people that are on the board. I thought I'd share those with you so you can keep them in your prayers. Tom Willingham, uh, Paul Norman, Teresa Holditch, John Black, Chad Hathorne and Rick Harris are elders who are elders who are representatives on the board. We have two elders that are representatives on the board along with myself, who's also an elder and on both of those. Doug Mills, and then Sandra and myself, and Ben is kind of ex-officio uh, member yeah. of the board and, and helps lead the board. Um, I wanna talk a little bit about the budget and how the board oversees that because, and, and the role of the board with that. Yeah, yeah, I, I basically function as a resource to the board for that. And um, you all know we have, we have elders, we have board of directors, we have a mission and everything we do is channeled toward that mission to make followers of Jesus. While our elders um, sort of have a guardrail for that, that spiritual and missional kind of focus and, and Carter obviously interacts with the elders um, on a regular basis. The board of directors are guardrail for um, finance, facilities, insurance, human resources, all the stuff nobody thinks about, but we have to do, right? And uh, so I interact with the board of directors and uh, one of the big ways we've been interacting these last few weeks is with our budget. And uh, today, sort of our uh, uh, proposal for next year's budget, and we'll tweak it a little bit and hopefully put, approve it in August. And uh, then uh, September 1, it begins. So we're a September 1. Uh, kind of church. So I've, I've really enjoyed working with the board and uh, working with Sandra and uh, look forward to continuing to do that. Yeah, we actually so, have a board of directors meeting uh, today after, after lunch. So we'll, we'll be uh, hashing that out. Our budget, so a lot of people see our budget um, and we want to talk a little bit more of kind of the focus on ministry that you shared, but to kind of give a little more clarity when people hear that number, like, wow, we're given above budget. And one of the reasons for that is because our budget this past year was pretty bare bones, um, so but we're we're believing God for more the next year. So I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about yeah, that. I'd, I'd love to talk about that. Uh, over the last two years, we've had some challenges of uncertainty about income, but also increased expenses. And just like at your home, if you forego some uh, preventative maintenance that may have cost a hundred dollars, it can end up costing you a thousand dollars when you get around to it being a crisis and you have to address it. Uh, we found ourselves in that place on some things and uh, we're uh, working to be good stewards of the resources and uh, put aside an emergency fund. We, uh, and because of the generosity of the church, uh, we have the resources to do that yeah. and grow the ministries. Yeah, so our, our budget we anticipate growing by about 5% this year. From last Is that year. right? Yeah. Last year it was 2.6. So our, we are projecting income this year at about 2.75 million. Okay. And so we're looking at about a 5% growth above that. <clears throat> okay. So. Yeah. yeah. And we believe that God's gonna do it. And, and, but these are also based on where we feel like God is working in our church to, to mm -hmm. do some things. So um, we trust the people of God. We're believing uh, that those numbers that we've seen are also indicative of what, of what we're gonna see and what we're, we're able to do. Tell me a little bit, Sandra, about just your personal, uh, because 
uh, financial resources, you mentioned that in your letter, isn't just a corporate thing that you're part of the board and they oversee that. It's, a, it's part of your personal story too for you and Maston. Uh, well, I've been in church my entire life, but there are times that um, you know I looked to grow, uh, had opportunities for growing because I was led by other people that were in the church. I feel like God owns it all, and I think that I have a personal stewardship for the uh, great riches that he has blessed me with, and uh, that includes volunteering, it includes financial uh, support, and uh, one of the things that I think is so important is words of encouragement, which is something everybody can do. Yeah, that's good. God owns it all. God that's owns good. it all. What, what about you, kind of, how, how's your financial kind of personal story? Yeah, yeah. Um, so when I became a new Christian, uh, I, uh, my mentality was just give to basically causes or needs, you know, how they come up every now and then. And, and then uh, when Gene and I got married, we made a big, bold step of faith and uh, started giving $50 a month. And uh, for us, that was, that was big. And uh, then, uh, let, let me be really transparent here. When I became a pastor, I said, God, if, if I'm going to ask people to give 10% of their income, I guess I got to like, start doing it also like this month. And uh, so, so that was the month where, where June and I said, you know what? That needs to be our commitment. Um, my lowest salary ever. Uh, thankful for it, but lowest salary ever, two kids, one in the oven, and we decided to start tithing, and uh, God's um, just blessed us through that. Um, I don't mean he's given us lots of stuff. God has blessed us through that um, as we've learned to trust in him. Yeah, so. that's good stuff. It, it all, I don't know how to describe it. It always works. Yeah. Like when we invite God into it, it works. It's like any other area of our lives. Absolutely. So Sandra, you talked about, I, I love that you talked about, you came here for your children, um, but now your children are grown and out of the house. And yet the first two things you mentioned in your letter is how important children and student ministries are. Why is that close to your heart? Okay. Well, uh, I still remember my very first Sunday school teacher yeah. and how she taught me uh, that God loved me and God lived in my heart. Mm. And that's something that is just been with me throughout my life and I feel like I've benefited and I think most people can benefit by feeling that God loves them and it helps you to make different decisions uh, and if you don't get that when you're young then when will you get it I uh, think a lot of adults uh, may only come to Christ when they have a crisis yeah and they've really missed out on a lot student ministries uh, you know a middle school student it's a very difficult time in most students' lives and also in their families' lives. And I think they need those positive role models, those mentors, uh, other people that can help them keep their children safe in every way and to teach them to love God and yeah. grow in their faith. I can give a personal testimony that middle school parents need Jesus. Um, <laughs> it is very true. Um, one of the things that has just been hitting me so recently is the idea of kids' ministry and why kids and students are so important is that when we reach a child, we deploy a disciple into the world for 70 to 80 years, right? You wanna change public schools? Deploy little disciples into schools. You wanna change little league sports teams? Deploy little disciples onto sports teams. Uh, we, we want to change the world. Why not deploy and empower and invest in 
80 to 90 year disciples into the world. And um, it's just amazing. I, I feel as a board, and, and that's, so that's what we talk about. We don't just sit around and talk about dollars. We talk about how can we invest in ministry. I, and one of my things I believe that in the future we've got is to invest specifically in the facilities of our kids and student ministries. Um, I, I want our kids and student facilities to be the best facilities on campus. Uh, so that when parents bring their little kids, their elementary kids, or their student ministry, they say, that church cares about my kids because the place I take my kids look better than anywhere else on campus. And so that's part of my heart for what the board, how we can, our, our financial resources and facilities. Um, serving, I wanna brag on, I, I'm, I'm just gonna brag on Sandra for a second. One of my favorite things about Sandra is that she has this high level leadership position in our church as chair of the board of directors. It's a really important position and she serves on our coffee team. Uh, that just shows her heart. Ben, tell and you use this verse, faith without works is dead. That's a good one. Tell me about how that plays into the culture of serving, Ben. And I just, I appreciated uh, Sandra's words so much. I hope you caught it. She said something like, you become qualified to serve by serving. And I think for so many of us, we feel like maybe serving is just something beyond us. But I believe that it's one of the missing ingredients of faith in, in America or in the world. I mean, folks, we, we tend to think faith is about getting something, but we don't truly tap into the fullness of God until we begin to serve. And uh, I would just encourage you. Uh, we're going to try to provide ways to jump in and get involved, even during this season. And I would encourage you, let's find ways together uh, to serve God and serve our community. Yeah. So. All right, so last thing, you said powerful statement. You heard somebody say, Birmingham needs mountaintop. Um, and I know that you are a leader that is not afraid of change. And, uh, and how Birmingham might need mountaintop is going to always be changing to reach new generations with Christ. So tell me about what you mean by that, why that, why that hits your heart so much. Well, uh when I heard that, I thought, wow, it's not just about us here at Mountaintop that thinks Mountaintop needs to survive. Uh, it's our reputation in the community. And I think one of the reasons that people would say that is when people come in, we embrace them, visitors, yeah. members, and uh, people that are new, I think we give them a pathway to participate. Yeah. It's not just they come in and, you know, may leave and say, I don't know that anybody knew I was there today. Uh, we really want to embrace people. We want to uh, attract diversity uh, in age, in sex, in race, in every way, and have all of those people contributing, participating members of Mountaintop. I also think that being non-denominational, it allow, allows us to make decisions here locally based on what we see in our community, respond to the needs, and uh, it helps us move a little more quickly. Yeah, yeah. And if we're going to reach new generations with the gospel, um, the only thing that never changes is that it's always changing, That's right. right? And our methods change to share an unchanging eternal message. That's what it's all about. Thank you. Yes, the uh, uh, children's ministry now may not reach the students through Kool-Aid and butter cookies like they did when I was there. <laughs> it may be more digital, but we still need to reach them. Did you put those butter cookies on your pinky finger and eat around? I did that same thing. That's right. I don't know that it works. 
but there's something that works, yeah. and we got to be willing to do any and everything. Thank you so much, Sandra. Appreciate uh, y'all give give her a hand. Appreciate her leadership. <clears throat> ben, we're gonna let you finish us out today to share uh, part of your heart for Mountain Top. Dear Mountaintop family, sometimes I can't believe I'm here with you. Two years ago, I met founding pastor Bill Elder in Monteagle, Tennessee. As we talked, I was inspired by his story and remember telling him that we had similar heartbeats for ministry. Once a church planter, always a church planter. Roughly a year ago, my longtime friend and ministry confidant Carter McGinnis called me to share that he was going to interview at this awesome church in Birmingham. We quickly put two and two together. On Martin Luther King Day of this year, I accepted the opportunity to be the new executive pastor and begin working on the transition. Mountaintop family, these circumstances speak to me of the potential for God to use our relationship. I joined the team because your DNA is outward focused. I joined the team because your faithfulness over the years is palpable. I joined the team because I believe in the leadership of your new lead pastor and because of our potential as a church to love our community toward Christ, reaching those who are not yet following Jesus. As Carter says, let's go. My confidence in God's calling and our future together has grown since I joined you. You probably don't know that recent studies have found that 94% of Christian churches in America have either flatlined or are declining. Only 6% are growing. Although Mountaintop has been a 94% church in the very recent years, I believe we can turn the corner and become a 6% church. We started as a 6% church. I unapologetically, unashamedly, and enthusiastically believe that churches should grow. People need Jesus and the influence of Jesus needs to grow in every community. But how in the world do you love your community toward Christ right now? In the midst of a worldwide pandemic, in the midst of 
political vitriol, in the midst of race-related sin, in the midst of spiritual apathy, online hypocrisy, bias, narratives, physical anxiety, philosophical anarchy, viral cancel culture, cancellations, moral narcissism, academic intolerance, constitutional dementia. And in the midst of declining and flatlining churches. When I think of our present-day troubles, I'm reminded that every letter in the New Testament was written during conditions even more challenging than ours. Yet the cause of Christ flourished. When I'm at my best, my heart is aligned with Paul's heart in Romans 15. Here we find Paul praying for believers. In a sense, he prays for you, my new mountaintop family. Right after he tells us to wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled, he prays this prayer. May God, who gives this patience, help you live in complete harmony with each other as is fitting for followers of Jesus. God desires deeply that we be unified around our mission that we have harmony and our desire to make new and stronger followers of Jesus, that we look beyond our inconsequential differences and toward the cause of Christ. Then a little later, Paul prays again when he says these words, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Because you trust in him, you will overflow. If we are to make a difference for Jesus right now, not after the pandemic, but during the pandemic, we must focus we must focus beyond secular philosophical arguments. We must focus beyond political debate. We must focus beyond solutions given by those who have little faith in Christ. Our unity and our hope must come from the source. The way we interact with those inside and outside the church must overflow from our trust, from the joy from the peace, from the unity, from the focus that comes from trusting in the God who created us and loves us deeply. These are challenging times. The world does not need the church to act like the world right now. The world needs the church to be the church. We must find our unity because of the source of our unity. We must find our hope because of the source of our hope. If I should boast, let it be for and about the work of Jesus. P.S. Can we talk for just a second? I, I, I get to have a P.S. <laughs> you know, I appreciate what Sandra Cleveland shared with us so much because she spoke of being engaged in ministry and she lives that out. That God uses us 
when we do more than attempt to get a piece of God, but when we recognize that God is calling us to give back. There's so many ways we can do that. But you know, I remember one pastor, he, uh, he used to tell his church, he, he used to say, come get you some Jesus like that. And, and, and that's, that's good, isn't it? We, we need to uh, come get us some Jesus sometimes. In fact, I'm glad you are here today or allowed us to join you at home today. And, and I hope you'll just turn to somebody right now, somebody preferably that you're six feet from and say, get you some Jesus. Can you do that? Well, it's important to get some Jesus. But I want to close with a, a story of mine which speaks to that dynamic of getting Jesus and of serving. About a month before um, I was to launch a, a brand new church called The Orchard, my, my spirit was uh, a little needy, a little desperate for God to show up in my life. And I was at a, a pastor's conference and dressed in business attire, but we had about a, a, a four or five hour section for a break. And instead of going out to lunch or doing a little shopping in the town we were in, I headed to the woods. I needed to talk to God that day. And, and I didn't know that when I pulled off the side of the road and started venturing up the hill that I would end up on the Appalachian Trail. Well, as I journeyed, my heart began to pray a bold prayer. I, I prayed to God that he would show up and confirm my situation in life with an audible voice. That was a pretty bold prayer. I was like, God, I want to hear your voice. God, I'd love to at least see something like Moses, like, like burn one of these trees or something, so I'll know you're here. And I was walking and praying out loud. Well, so I continued to walk and pray and climb that mountain. Suddenly, I heard a voice. A loud, boisterous voice coming from up the mountain somewhere that said one word that was a big, juicy curse word with hashtags and question marks and and signs and exclamation points. And that was confusing to me. <laughs> I continued to pray and walk, and in about 10 or 15 minutes, a couple of switchbacks later, I passed two professional-looking hikers coming down the mountain. And, and it was funny, right after they passed me, they were about 10 yards down the hill, and, and one of these says to the other, it scares the hockey sticks out of me when I see somebody dressed like that up here. Well, it wasn't long after that that I found a rock outcropping to overlook the valley below and began to discuss with God and try to process what had just happened. I said, God, surely you didn't say that word. In fact, I know it was one of those hikers. But God, what are you trying to say to me? And I felt like the voice that I heard sitting there was Ben. Come up to this mountain a lot. Come up and get you some Jesus. But I need you to follow Jesus back into that valley to share him with a world that desperately needs him. Mountaintop family, it's an honor 
and a privilege to join you in this journey that we're on together. We gather to get us some Jesus. But let's don't let it end there. Let's make sure that we follow Jesus because we live in a world that desperately needs Jesus Christ. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you that you call us beyond um, each other. That you call us beyond uh, a place where we feel comfortable or where we feel self-righteous or where we feel like we've made it. And God, you call us toward people that you love desperately and deeply who don't know that yet. God, help us be agents of your work, instruments of your presence. God, help us follow you wherever you lead, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.